Hello and welcome to the Top Order Podcast. No intro music today. I don't even know why I'm talking. I feel like I should just be stepping away from the microphone. You know, just some remarkable innings. People aren't here to see me. People aren't here to talk. Uh, hear me talk. People are here to, here to hear Baldy jumping off the back fence to talk about one of the most remarkable innings we've ever seen. One of the most remarkable games of this World Cup. Australia, Afghanistan. Let's just get to it, Baldy. Good morning, Stuart, and uh, good morning to listeners and viewers all around the world who are tuning in to what has been one of the most remarkable, if not the most remarkable, run chase that I think we've ever seen in the history of one-day international cricket. Certainly in World Cups from 1975 to now, I can't think of a more remarkable, more complex, more outstanding run chase than the one that we've witnessed overnight at the Wonkedi Stadium between Australia and Afghanistan. It was a chase that was in completely two halves, and there was a a couple of turning points, but there was one in particular, and I'm sure we'll get onto it in the podcast, where the complexion of this match, if not the fortunes of Afghanistan in this tournament, completely reversed themselves. It is a performance from a player who has tantalized us throughout his career. He's teased us. He's promised so much to Australian cricket fans and fans of world cricket in general with his prodigious, almost unparalleled talent. Tonight, it was all on display. We got to see the very, very best of a player who, if depending on who you believe, may or may not have called himself the big show. From now on, for the rest of his cricketing career and afterwards, he can call himself whatever he likes. That was one of the greatest innings, and I know that commentators love to throw superlative out there, but believe Ian Smith when he says that it was one of the most remarkable innings that we will ever see on a cricket field. Not just because of the scoreline, not because of the situation, not just because of the cramp or the ability to bat and hit sixes out of the park on literally no legs, with no legs to stand on. It was an unbelievable innings. And if I hadn't have gone back and watched almost every ball of Maxwell's innings between 5.30 this morning and now when we started recording, I wouldn't have believed it myself. I certainly didn't believe it was possible when at 3.48 this morning, I woke up, looked at Crick Info, saw Australia were 93 for seven and put the phone down and went straight back to reading. It was an it was, it, we're stuck in the matrix, Stuart. This is a parallel universe where this kind of thing just doesn't happen. But yet happened, it has. Oh, it was, yeah, it was just incredible. And and look, the, the, like you say, the superlatives are, are going to come out today. And uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to be, we're going to be filled with superlatives as well for Glenn Maxwell. And what a week for him. I mean, you know, the headlines last week for him were, you know, you've fallen off a golf cart, concussion, uh, you know, all, all the, I guess, negative uh, storylines for him. And then he comes out and does this. It, it actually is amazing. And I, I know normally we sort of get the initial comments and initial thoughts of, of the people on the pod. And then we kind of go back to the start. But I think we just have to have to keep going with the finish here because it was it was just amazing. And I, and I sort of did the same. You talked about waking up. I woke up uh, about five o'clock in the morning, checked my phone. Yeah, for listeners uh, who, who don't know, we're based in New Zealand. So yeah, just, you know, we, we do our very best to, to watch as much of the cricket as we can. But you know, inevitably we're we're watching uh, ball by ball, sort of skimming through ball by ball highlights in the morning, 
uh, as quickly as we can. And, and I woke up at five and thought, okay, I'll, I'll see who's well, what you know who's won this game. What what I need to focus on for this morning. And it's turn it on. It's seven. Australia needs seventy off about seventy balls. And I just immediately jumped out of bed. I've never been more delighted to see Mac, Glenn Maxwell get runs from a New Zealand point of view because we, you know, New Zealand needed this. If Afghanistan wins this game, and, and they're sort of not not quite in the box seat, I guess, because their their run rate would have been, uh, you know, potentially still a factor. But you know, the fact that they were they were carving up Australia, as you said, ninety one for seven, it was at one point. They win big against Australia here, and. You know, New Zealand would have been in huge trouble. So I'm I'm very, very grateful for Glenn Maxwell as a New Zealand fan this morning. Well, the game certainly didn't go to script uh, for Australia. Certainly, it didn't go to how I thought the game would, would go. I expected Australia to win and win comfortably. But let's give some credit to some Afghani players in this game because Ibrahim carried his bat throughout the innings, uh, scored a brilliant 129 and put them in a box seat to be able to win this game. 291 is not an easy chase. Uh, he was he was excellent. I look, I actually thought Australia's bowling, um, Maxwell's innings will cover up for, 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 for many things in this game. But Australia's bowling, again, looked like it wasn't able to penetrate um, the Afghanistan lineup, particularly in the power play. It's something we've touched on in the podcast before. It remains a real concern for me because Australia, outside of Adam Zampa, haven't really been able to make inroads into the top order or middle order at all. Afghanistan, look, I had it in my notes uh, after after watching the uh, the first innings. Um, Afghanistan are an incredibly professional cricketing outfit with the bat. And I don't mean that in the in the condescending, oh, aren't they a good side because, you know, we, we need to give plaudits to, a, a, a you know, an emerging nation. They have made Australia's bowlers, who are some of the best bowlers in the world, look military medium. They were outstanding. And I think that the Afghanistan, and it will be lost in the outcome of all of this Glenn Maxwell um, hype and hyperbole, and as it should be, but Afghanistan need to take a lot of credit, particularly for their batting in this tournament, because they have shown themselves to be equal to, if not slightly better at times, than some of the best attacks in world cricket. I mean, you have a look at Ibrahim's innings. As a 21, 22-year-old against Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, he handled them all with the plomb, and he was outstanding. And unfortunately, his innings will be consigned to the, the back pages of, of history uh, behind this Glenn Maxwell innings. But he should look back on this game and be incredibly proud of the innings he played against a top-class attack because it gave him the opportunity to put his team in a position where they really should have won this match. Oh, totally. I mean, that's the first, uh, I believe that's the first ODI World Cup 100 for Afghanistan from from Ibrahim. And, you know, we I, we were texting right at the start of that game and we saw that first over, Stark started swinging the ball and like prodigious swing. And we thought, okay, it, we're, we're on here. But it just, you know, I think in the next over, maybe he bowled a, a wider one to Ibrahim, crunched it through the covers, and they, they really never looked in, in any threat to those bowlers. You know, uh, Gerbars got out, but he sort of got himself out, really. It wasn't a, a wicket-taking delivery. He kind of just chipped one to, to the boundary. And, yeah, I mean, they made it look easy. And I think we've talked a lot about the openers. We've talked, you know, in the last time we talked about Afghanistan, we talked about Shahidi and Ramat Shah. 
and they just went about it in a, a really calculated way. I think someone said to us on the on the comments in the past about uh, the influence of Jonathan Trott, and they just play professional cricket kind of in the way that the style that he used to play. And, you know, it's hard for us to know from the outside how much of an impact he personally is making. But, you know, they, they do look like a, a side that, I mean, look, you wouldn't get too many arguments from me. And, and obviously they can still make the semifinals here. This is a big blow for them. But you wouldn't get too many arguments for me if you said Afghanistan have been the fourth best side in this World Cup. I think it's, you know, they they absolutely deserve to be in that conversation. They deserve to be in the semi-final hunt. If we weren't, you know, talking about uh, drop, you know, I'm sure we're going to get to drop catches. If we weren't talking about drop catches in that this game and in uh, the New Zealand game is another one that stands out to me where they missed big opportunities to win these games they could have already sealed their semi-final spot. So, yeah, that look, they've been tremendous in this World Cup and deserve a lot of credit for even the way they built this innings, as you say, because, you know, they were 173 for three when Shahidi gets out in the 38th over, and they scored almost 10 and over from there, you know, get up to 290. Asmat comes in, smashes Stark for six, I think, third ball, and then just punctuated by Rashid Khan's 35 off, off 18 at the end where he's just playing those whips and, all the, all the good stuff that he does at the end. So, yeah, very, very impressive stuff to to get to that total. And, and then, look, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to, to what they did to start the end. Yeah, let's the get ball. on to that because, again, it was a performance from a team that gets contributions from players that we may not have expected at the start of the, of the tournament. When we did our preview of Afghanistan, we talked about their spinners and we talked about their opening batters. But, you know, you have a look at the contributions from uh, Ramit Shah, Shahidi, the captain, Asmat, you know, you get something from Rashid Khan at the end, helicoptering the ball out of the park. And then on the other side of the of the equation, you get the paces come out and you get them making inroads into the Australian top order, the much vaunted Australian top order. And it makes it look like, you know, Afghanistan are all over Australia, which they were for the first 15 to 20 overs of this match. There wasn't a lot other than the maybe the run out, the hesitation from Manus. There was some really good dismissals in that uh, in that first four or five wickets for Afghanistan. Australia probably gave a couple of wickets away, but didn't do a lot wrong. Uh, they were beaten by some very good bowling, and it just made it look like they were playing on a different pitch. They got the most out of it. They bowled good areas, and you know Maxwell comes out facing a hat trick, and was only as as Ian Smith again would say the barest of margins, the faintest of edges that saved that saved him from being being out LBW. Oh, yeah. Look, I, we're still not allowed Sorry. to use that phrase, by the way. Um, <clears throat> just uh, just, to, just to, uh, to keep you informed. Thank you. Uh, but, yeah, look, they, they, they swung the ball, mm-hmm. didn't they? They swung the ball with Naveen especially, nicked off Travis Head with the swing. And uh, that ball that Azmat bowled to Warner through the gate, I mean, probably a loose yeah, shot very for loose. Warner if you yep. want to be really critical. But but look, that's a it's a pretty you know we talked uh, last time I was on we were talking about uh, the spinners' dream deliveries. I think that's a pretty much a dream delivery for a, for a seamer and a swing bowler as well to to go through the gate and and someone like David Warner to to hit the poles. English has a little fish outside off stump first ball and yeah, as you say, Maxwell, you know, a whisker away from from being out first ball and and you know it it just sort of all fell apart. I mean, you know, they were they were. Australia were lost that early wicket, Travis Head, but then they were 43 mm-hmm. for one. Mitchell Marsh looks like he's about to hit Naveen out of the attack. He goes 6-4, four, 
and then yeah, it just it just all turned to custard, and I don't know. I mean, I, I look where I guess as we've said, we we don't you know we didn't watch that game live from the ninety you know ninety for seven mark. I cannot imagine what the Australian supporters were thinking at that point because yeah, to, the, there was no way back. You know, Ian Smith talked about it in the commentary when I was watching live. You know, in that last over or last hour or so of that game. And he said, we were we were praising Afghanistan because they couldn't lose mm-hmm. from where they were. And it, Glenn Maxwell, you know. Unbelievable. Yeah, amazing. Let's just cover the Stoinis dismissal because that, was, that I think, was the only one that may, that may have been a little bit egregious, trying to reverse sweep Rashid Khan on seven balls when you kind of, what were they at the time when he was dismissed? That made it sort of 80 for six. So you're 87 for five. You probably don't need to do that. Um but I guess you have to take the good with the bad, right? You you have to take that kind of dismissal with Maxwell's ability to do what he's just done in this game. Uh, so I guess for Australia and for cricket fans, you know, you you have to let players play the way they play. Do we want to talk a little bit more about this Glenn Maxwell innings from from start to finish? Because he he did get a couple of lives early doors, and there was a turning point at 112 for seven that could easily have shut this game down, given Afghanistan a 100 run win maybe something like that maybe more uh boosted their net run rate and you know in a sliding doors moment they're on 10 points going into their final fixture and and the world cup looks like a very different tournament oh absolutely we have to talk more about maxwell as i said it's uh you know praising the australians is not something uh that i necessarily enjoy every day of the week but look we we have to do it today and i mean yeah that moment I mean, you're not going to see an easier chance than that Mujib catch. And I think it was almost, uh, you know, I forget the batter. It might have been Tom Latham playing a reverse as well. Um, or Maxwell wasn't a reverse, but I think Mujib was maybe on the similar field position on the field. But in that uh, in that New Zealand game, I mean, come on, you've got to take those chances. And I mean, they're going to look back at this that. And, you know, every Afghanistan fan, every neutral fan, every, you know, every Afghanistan player I think is going to look back at that moment and think that's, you know, that's, they've, we've dropped the world cup there. I mean, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a, a well worn out phrase that's, but I don't know. I mean, you've got to take those and, and then, you know, I think that's the, the one part of their game that they'll look back at throughout this world cup and be disappointed that they didn't take those chances in the field. And it's an area they're going to have to improve if they want to, you know, really, really take that next step. I, up I completely cricket. agree. There was a stat and it was brought up multiple times during the, the run chase of, you know, catch efficiency in the World Cup. And England, I think, and, and a couple of others lead the way around their 85% mark. So England 30 and 34 and 6, I think. Um, South Africa, Australia, and a couple of other sides have all dropped sort of 10 or 14 catches. And Afghanistan are one of those nations. I think their catch efficiency was down about 67%. I think there was something like... 26 and 13 in terms of catches taken and catches dropped and you know it's if you're giving if you're giving international players of that caliber multiple opportunities in their innings they are going to make you pay and unfortunately in a lot of in a lot of cricket you can look at a moment and and wonder if that was the defining moment and sometimes you're never quite sure oftentimes you're never quite sure but again, because in a game with 300 deliveries Sometimes there is multiple moments 
that could come to define an innings. And you can never quite put your finger on, you know, which one was the most important or, or the turning point. But of of this game, you'd have to say, and if Afghanistan don't reach the semifinals of this World Cup, you, you would have to say that that is the ball where their fortunes turned. And it was it was possibly the biggest turning point for them as a as a country so far in their short international career. Because if that catch gets held, there's no doubt in my mind that Afghanistan win that game. They go to 10 points equal with Australia. They get a huge net run rate boost. 290 plays 160, say, for the sake of the argument. And Afghanistan all of a sudden have one foot in the door of the semifinals. So, look, it's an absolutely heartbreaking moment for Majib. Um, I don't want to go into too much hyperbole around that, but it is certainly a significant, unfortunately for Afghanistan, a significant moment uh, for them, and they won't reflect positively on that. But what they should do is reflect positively on the other fantastic cricket that they've played in this tournament. And they've got one more game to go out and try and win themselves a semi-final spot. You know, it's, it's in their hands to be able to do that. If they win well in their last game, other things may or may not fall their way, and we could see Afghanistan scrape into that number four spot on run rate. But look, that that moment at 112 for seven, where Majib drops Maxwell and he goes on to get 201 not out and win the game, that that is the biggest turning point. Where do we want to pick up with Maxwell? Because, I mean, we could almost go ball by ball at various points. And and it was such a, you know, I think the word remarkable has been said you know, 100 times by by everybody watching that game. But it was such a, an amazing sort of thing to watch because he gets injured. We, we You touched on it before. He, uh, well, not really gets injured. He gets the cramp and, and, he, and he basically can't move. He, he just cannot, uh, you know, I think, you know, kids everywhere are going to be just standing, stand, planting their feet and, and swinging for the, for the next uh, for the next week or so. I, I think Shane Watson at one point was on commentary going, "You don't even need to move your feet when you do this with your hands." And so he was sort of suggesting that maybe maybe footwork is is completely dead now with the way that Maxwell batted. But the fact that they were turning down singles, like it was such a weird you know run chase to watch because normally. In that kind of situation, you're scrapping for every single run, and you you know you're only turning down you know singles at a very last moment. But they were turning down singles because I mean we haven't met you know you mentioned Pat Cummins I think before and, and said that he was the perfect foil I think, but you know in all of Maxwell's uh, you know chaos, Pat Cummins I think what did he get twelve off sixty eight balls in, in a chase of of three hundred, but it was absolutely the right thing to do. So look. You tell me where you want to start with Maxwell, and, and we'll just carry on from there. Let's let's start with the with the cramp and the injury. Um, I was watching the game; it was very hot. You know, we we look I, before the game. There was a lot spoken about, mostly by Matthew Hayden, around that the heat in the stadium. It was up sort of thirty six, thirty seven degrees at one point during the course of the day. So, you know, even in the evening, there was a lot of fatigue. Um, Australia were asked to field in the heat for fifty overs. You know. Afghanistan did a great job of keeping Australia out there that whole time uh, and and really wearing Australia down. And we saw that in the England game, actually, as well, where they were unable to recover from a um, from being out in the field in that kind of hot weather. As as it turned out, Maxwell, it, shades of Dean Jones in his double hundred in India uh, way back in, what, I think, 83, 84, 
where he scored a famous double hundred and was was physically ill on the ground, uh, was suffering with cramp. This was the same kind of situation. I, I actually think Maxwell may have pinched a nerve somewhere in there as well. There was one or two shots where he physically reacted as he tried to hit the ball, almost like he had pinched a nerve somewhere in his back. He was getting treatment from the physio in the in that lumbar or lower back area as well as the cramp. So, um, look, it was an it, we we start to run out of superlatives when we talk about not only Maxwell's physical gifts, which were all on display, but his mental strength as well. It must have been so easy to retire hurt at that point. I mean, there was one stage where Maxwell hit a shot, ran a single, and then just became almost rigor mortis he was completely he went completely stiff and just fell onto the ground completely stiff um in an in, in what could only be an entire body cramp at that point his shirt was drenched um zampa was down on the boundary at one point ready to come on as a replacement he was waved away it for all of the physically brilliant things glenn maxwell did in this innings and he has done over his in- entire career his mental strength in that moment when every fiber and sinew and muscle in his body is telling him to give up for him to be able to stay in the fight and stay with that game um, and win it for Australia. I will live with that memory of his mental fortitude forever. He's a lovely, lovely guy, Glenn Maxwell. And I'm so glad that he has now got a career defining moment that not just speaks to his physical talents and his prowess and his hand-eye coordination, but his overcoming a significant um, mental challenge. Um, and I mean that in terms of being able to, to override the, 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 the pain in his body um, and understand the, the requirement for him to have to be there at the end and to, and to overcome all of that um, pressure, that situational pressure as well to come up with, I think, I can't remember a better chasing innings than that in my living memory. Certainly not in a World Cup. Uh, yeah, the the records, you know, the records that, that he broke during that innings. And, and I think it is actually is, it's, it's not something I'd really thought about, but it's a fantastic point about the mental part of it. Because he actually talked after I listened to his interview and then the interview of the captains afterwards. And he talked about how... Um, you know, he said straight up, he said, you know, I had a few chances in that innings. And he said, when I've had those chances in the past, sometimes I haven't actually followed it through to the end and I haven't made the most of those chances. And it, like some, I think that the, um, whoever was interviewing him said, you know, is, is this your, your greatest innings for Australia? And he, he sort of didn't really answer that question directly, but he said, that's what I'm most proud of. The fact that I did this and I carried it through to the end and, and got us home. So yeah, I think, you know, he should be, an, I mean, obviously he should be enormously proud of, of what he's done today. I mean, yeah, just the, the kind of, I think it's the, you know, highest score for Australia now in an ODI. I think it's the highest score for a number six ever in, in uh, ODI cricket, if I'm if I'm not wrong. Highest ever eighth wicket partnership. Like, there's just records and records that, that they he broke today. And can, can we just talk a little bit about some of those shots that he played? Because... Uh, there were just some some remarkable ones. I, I've I've sort of I, I actually I've written down some, but I, I I didn't ball by ball them, so I don't quite know when they were. But I've got reverse lap six, pull to mid wicket, flick off Naveen, and then like that last. I mean that last sort of over uh, the way he sort of finished it. I think with twenty 
20 to get off Naveen and he just goes six second ball, six third ball, four set fourth ball, and then six fifth ball to bring up the 100. I mean, 200, I mean 201 out of 293. And, and some of the shots at the end when he just couldn't move, absolutely amazing. And Ian Smith, I think, Ian Smith was, I, I think he was loving this. It was, uh, he was having a great time in commentary. I've written down at one of his, he says, he gets down the other end like Charlie Chaplin when he when he finally, with about 30 runs to go, started, decided, you know, shocked the Afghanistan players by deciding that he would start taking singles again when he, when he hit it to the boundary. So, yeah, look, he was fist-pumping to the changing room when he was taking the singles, not the boundaries, which was awesome as well. And, yeah, the, that Australian dressing room was a, a sight to watch. So, yeah, like, like honestly, I think if, if anyone hasn't seen – like, if pe- people are going to watch the highlights, I think that they should genuinely – if you like, if you only have an hour, don't watch the highlights. Go back and watch the last hour of the way that that game panned out because it, it's so, so worth it uh, just from for all the different kind of – weird things that were going on and weird shots and celebrations and all of it. It's, it really was a fun watch. And you've touched on a point there that I wanted to make sure we picked up on in this podcast. Uh, and it's the way that Maxwell and Cummins planned that chase. And they planned it beautifully because they weren't concerned about Cummins's contribution. All they were concerned about was that Cummins was able to face out whoever he was facing at his end. And, to give as much strike to Maxwell as possible. And some of that kind of broke down when Maxwell was unable to run singles. But once the adrenaline got going again and they only needed 30 or 40 to get, and he could sort of get his body through um, on that adrenaline, get through to the other end for singles, they rotated the strike well in terms of farming it for Maxwell. Maxwell was never down one end at the non-strikers for too long, getting cramped and then getting mentally frustrated. So even though Cummins was 12 off 68, they picked the balls where they needed to attack. They took the singles that they needed to get. And they just trusted that Maxwell would hit the ball out of the park. And as it turns out, one KD Stadium's not big enough for Glenn Maxwell. Um, any part of it, let alone the long part or the short part. Um, so 21 fours, 10 sixes. You know, the ground is, is not big enough for that human being. But I just wanted to give credit to the way that they chased that. Because it would have been so easy getting 10 off the over to try and then get 20 or 24 off, off and over. But they got a they got a six, they got a four. If Cummins was on strike, he made sure he faced out the deliveries that he needed to. Um, you know, he got a bit lucky. He played and missed quite a bit, uh, particularly to a couple of wrongins from Noor Ahmed, went past the outside edge, etc. But the way that they planned that chase was just awesome. And one of the comments, I think, on the stump mic that I picked up was Cummins had blocked out three or four balls in a row, and someone must have said something to him. And he just laughed and said, it's still a runner ball, mate. We're still, it's still just a runner ball here. And so Australia were always just making sure they kept that, that um, target, that run rate required within touching distance of a runner ball. And as Maxwell hit the ball further and further and found the gap with one hand and found the gap with a reverse lap shot off the top of off stump, the one from Naveen was the, the one that, that's, that will stick with me for a long time because he couldn't move. And Naveen bowled the, the, the best ball that he could bowl. It was going to cannon into the top of off stump. And Maxwell's just turned his wrists and flicked the ball past the wicketkeeper. I can't even remember whether it went for four or six. It was I was just in awe of his ability to, to figure out that shot. It was just the most remarkable innings. 
It, it certainly was. And, and look, and the result now, there's a lot to play for for, for three sides now, Afghanistan, Pakistan, uh, and, and New Zealand going into these final games. I think we've got plenty of time to kind of talk about that over the next couple of days. And I think, you know, we probably should just, I mean, Pat Cummins called it the, the greatest ODI, the ODI innings that's, that's ever happened. You know, I'm not an, enough of a cricket historian to uh, qualify that statement, but it's certainly got to be up there. And, and I, look, I think you should finish the pod, Baldy. I mean, it, it, it has been spectacular to watch for me, you know, in, in so many different ways. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's down to you to take us out. Well, I think it's this is one of those days where everyone everyone has watched this innings, and uh, if you ask the population in twenty years' time, there'll be a million and a half people who will have been at Wankhede Stadium um, having watched this game. This is, I think, very rare for cricketing circles. One of those where were you moments when Maxwell got a double hundred to chase down two hundred and ninety one. It is one of the most remarkable scenes that I have seen in cricket in my living memory. It's one of the most remarkable innings that I've seen in living memory. Unfortunately, there had to be a loser in this game. And I, I feel so deeply for, for the Afghanistan players and coaches um, who've had such a wonderful tournament and to come up against that kind of heartbreak. But that's sport and life. And unfortunately, um, there had to be a loser on the day. And, and for Afghanistan, it, it their number was up in that sense. But they have been outstanding in this game of cricket. They were very unfortunate, I think, to lose it. But for one moment, they would have won that game. Um, but for Glenn Maxwell in Australia, it is an innings that will cover up a, an average game for that country. Uh, I think it's fair to say Australia did not play well in that game with the exception of of Glenn Maxwell and Pat Cummins with the bat. But, you know, that's also sport and life. And Australia go on to 12 points. They're now in the semifinals against South Africa. We've got England and the Netherlands tonight. The Netherlands have... Everything to play for. Can they back up their two wins against Bangladesh and South Africa with a win against England? Can England salvage some pride with a couple of victories in their last two games? And then we go into the last slate of games, sort of November 9 to 12, where everyone plays one more game before the semifinals. As you say, Stu, Pakistan, New Zealand and Afghanistan still have aspirations for semifinals play. So we'll see what transpires over the next three or four days in terms of their futures it's been brilliant being on the pod with you again, Stuart. Um, just, as I say, an absolutely remarkable last hour and a half of our lives. And uh, we're very humbled um, to be able to share it with you listeners and viewers on the Top Order podcast. So thank you for staying with us this morning. Take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Top Order podcast. <laughs>